for your Showtime Lakers! Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Talking Basketball Podcast. I am Mark. I am Paul. Hello. And we've got another special today. Yes, we have a special topic, Mark. Well, we enjoyed doing Detroit so much. If you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out. Bad Boys. The Bad Boys and edition. we said, if that went well, then I'll do another one for you. And we've decided to do the Los Angeles Lakers in the 80s, also known as the Showtime Lakers. One of the greatest eras of all time in basketball, Mark. Well, it started because of the Detroit Pistons. And we went, hang on a minute, we're going to have to frame how important that win was so it totally makes sense that we go well who did they take it off of and you 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 come out with lakers and you come out with celtics aren't you and I, i'm gonna give you the lakers point of view in this one mark and as we know uh 1979 was the first year of the 3.9 so anything- well thank you for bringing that in mark thank you <laughs> so any, anything before that is yeah. irrelevant right Okay, well, look, we're talking about the Showtime Showtime Lakers. You, you got to say, arguably, they hold one of the greatest teams that have ever been assembled. You have to have to put that in the discussion. Um, definitely, some of the players uh, in these eras um, would be saying that. But with the Showtime Lakers, I'm going to start in 1979, Mark. Jerry Buss. Jerry Buss, the man, the myth, the legend. Yes, sir. Very intelligent guy. Um, he was also called Dr. Buss. He did have a PhD, which is why he's called Dr. Buss. And I got a really interesting fact that I heard Jenny Buss say. He, she, he used to have a calculator mm-hmm. on his office desk. And she was like, that wasn't for him. That was for you to keep up with him. Oh, wow. He was a really intelligent guy. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he, he was also called Dr. Bus. He invested in real estate after he got his PhD with uh, a couple of friends, I believe. And um, it was a hugely, hugely successful business for him. Um, his first building he bought for $1,000 in 1959. And that eventually turned into over 700 properties by 1979. Yeah. Now, how does this guy get the Lakers? Well. He was interested in buying a team, and the uh, previous owner was a guy called um, Cook. Oh, what's his first name? Cook. Something Cook. Um, oh, blimey. Uh, something Cook. Anyway, this guy wanted to get rid of the Lakers, um, but it wasn't just the Lakers. It was the Lakers. It was the Kings, the NHL team. It was also the Forum building. Yep. And some ranch as well. Yeah. So um, so Jerry Buss was actually, I guess, courting him about yep. this. And they were talking about basketball for a, well over a year. And now, so this cook was going through a, a divorce. And it was like, at the time, it was in the Guinness Book, Book of Records for like the biggest settlement for a divorce, which I think it was 40 something million Anyway, so it ends up that this guy, Cook, turns around and says, I want the Chrysler building. Jerry Buss goes, right, I'll get you the 
Chrysler building in New York. And he goes to his boys, right, get rid of everything. So he now makes this three-way deal with, because the people who own the Chrysler building, they didn't want his stuff. So they, he was then selling, getting buyers for his stuff to then sell, to get the Chrysler buildings, to then give it to Cook. And even right in the last minute, he was like three million short. Like, which, which back then, I mean, we're talking now, this is uh, 70s. So we're talking at this point, like three million short. It's, it, well, that's a lot. He was looking at buying the team. Um, where is it? I, I know that in terms of like money wise, the actual how much they spent it was something like 272 million in money oh here you go now i broke it down for you so uh let me come on to that for a second but yeah he was three million short and bus um got a, a bit of a helping hand so he got a ha helping hand from uh, sam nassi who gave him i think gave him a mill he was a future indiana pacers owner yes another million ca came from donald sterling who would later own the clippers clippers um and so in the end, this guy, Cook, received a Chrysler building and, and a few other old properties. Um, the, the Chrysler owners uh, got buses high-rising business, which they sold because he already had the buyers in place for them. And, um, and this is brilliant. Jerry Bus obtains the forum for 33.5 million, the Lakers for 16 million, and the Kings for 8 million. He also got this ranch in california which was another yep. 10 million so what's that all together this is why we need jerry bus here now to, to <laughs> do this anyway he can't come here he has passed away mark do you know that i think it was 2019 2016 2017 Don't anyway that. 2013 but yeah all right anyway um have i just gone completely off rail there ruined mm -hmm. this podcast no okay right um so you gotta talk about the genius of jerry bus here does he want to own a team or has he got the expectation that the NBA is about to explode? Because it does explode when he owns it, uh, when he, he takes on this team. Um, you know, with Magic and Larry about to go pro um, and obviously Michael Jordan coming after him, um, the NBA grew massively um, in popularity over the next like couple of years, really. Um, but you've got to credit Jerry Buss for playing a key role oh, in selling basketball. Yep. So what he was doing was selling entertainment, selling a show. When he went in, he was like, look, um, he wanted to create a, I guess, a spectacle. And this fast pace, fast break play, dancing girls, movie stars in the crowd, that is what he wanted. Oh, know. yeah, he brought he brought the whole Hollywood thing to, to it without a question. But it is also worth mentioning with the Lakers that, you know, where's where's the name for the Lakers come from itself? No one cares. Minnesota. No one cares. So they originally came from 1947, 1948. That's where the Lakers yeah, came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they came from there. And it, when it got to 1960, in the off-season of 1960, they went, yeah, we're done here. And they moved them out to LA. And they became the first ever team in the West Coast of the NBA. So they're the first West Conference team of the NBA in 1960, or at that time, what was still the NBA. That was obviously pre the whole merger between the ABA and the NBA and all that sort of stuff. But still, that's why they're the Lakers. And interestingly, um, you know, they always play in the, the, the purple and the gold. 
Minnesota Vikings, purple and gold. That's what they play. Wow. So it is great background, but this is the Showtime Lakers, Mark. But the reason I'm saying it is because the thing with the Lakers was. This is this is for Jerry Bus. <laughs> R.I.P. A lot of the Lakers, um, a lot of the basketball heritage that people talk about in terms of when people have won big dynasties of lots and lots of trophies and championships and so forth, they go back in time and look at all the ones that were, you know, in the 40s, 50s and 60s and so forth. Well, at that time, it was actually the Minneapolis Lakers and they were they were <laughs> out in Minnesota, not in LA. They won five yeah. in Minnesota and I'm highlighting that because when Jerry Buss buys the team, the last time the Lakers had won an NBA championship was in 1972. Yes. And then the eight years between championships, Lakers had made the finals again in 1973, but lost to the New York Knicks. Yep. Um, so yeah, and in that time, Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West have retired, um, but they have acquired an absolute star in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, I mean you can't gl- you can't gloss over the fact of what not only Wilt Chamberlain but Jerry the, the logo West. Yeah, and it was oh I would have, I've written this down somewhere in my notes, but in the I want to say mm, you you might know the year, but in one of the years he they lose and he gets MVP. Oh, I think would I be right in saying the only person to get MVP on the losing team of of any NBA finals? Yes, that's right, yeah. Jerry was the only person to get that. And when when was that? I am going to check it now. I want to say the 70s. Maybe 69. But Jerry plays know, Jerry plays a very important part in the Showtime Lakers, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I mean, um you know, Jerry Buss wants him around. Um he <laughs> he's kind of as a GM, not the GM. He wants him as the coach. He's not the coach. And then he becomes, I don't know. He's around basically all the time. No, do you know what he did for three years? So when he he was, um, before they're having him as the coach, so he was coaching up until 79. Then they got a new coach in. And then for three years, Jerry West, the logo of the NBA, was head scout. Yeah, no, he was. He was at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and then they made him a GM. So he he's do- gone from being a scout to he, being the he GM. Does that. He, he goes back to that a few times as well because yep. one of Jerry Buss's sons actually goes on the road with him yep. as well at one point. I can't remember which two thousand that is. 2002 or something like that. I think he was um, at Lakers and then he went to Grizz- Memphis Grizzlies, did the same thing. And then he did it at Golden State as well. Yeah, so look, he's bought, he's bought the Lakers. He hasn't even played a game yet, but he's got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's got Michael Cooper on the team. He's got Jack Nicholson watching all the home games already. Okay? Um, That's so cool. He wanted the Lakers to be more entertaining. Um, And now this is something I wanted to talk to you about. So in the 1960s, he was a regular at a nightclub in California uh, called The Horn. Yeah? Yeah. In Santa Monica, this is true, um, and and this this nightclub attracted like an upscale clientele, yeah. Um, and what Jerry Buss took away from that was he loved the excitement of the clubs, like opening acts, and there was famous people there, 
um, you know, dimming the lights, dramatic singing. Um, and one of the signature songs from this uh, club was called It's Showtime. And after he purchased the Lakers um, and, and the forum from Cook, Bus like turned around and went, I want an upscaled version of this nightclub, the horn, for a basketball game. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's, yeah, and that's great. So like a nightclub act, he believed basketball should be entertaining. Wow. And that's where it comes. So you've got, and I'm going to word it very carefully here, you've got a rookie owner. Yeah, yeah. And he's also got the number one pick he is. coming up. Now, he's a rookie owner, but it is also worth mentioning he was sort of 47 years old at that point. He'd made a lot of money, a lot of money in real estate. They owned something like 700 houses or something like that. Like They, they, they were good money-wise, 272... Well, he does, he does get in money problems. Oh, so they had to... They paid the equivalent of 272 million in money this day and that to, to buy those three sort of teams at that time. That's One a bargain, of, isn't it? It is. Well, you Nowadays, say that. yeah. Fast forward quite a few decades, Mr. Cuban bought the uh, Dallas Mavericks for about 280 million. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's how much he paid in 2000 or whatever it was. And then sure enough, he just sold it for 3 billion. It's only recently that they've gone absolutely sky high crazy. Um, on that Jerry West, by the way. Just, you always have to throw in Dallas and Seattle Supersonics yeah. and everything we talk about. Listen, I this can't is help a Showtime it. Lakers, man. Can't help it, they're prominent. I'm just. Jeez. You mentioned Jerry West. It's worth pointing out the other connection with Showtime Lakers, which is really interesting. From 1972, is Jerry West played on that Lakers team yeah. that won. Who else was playing on that Lakers team that won? Pat Riley. Correct. Yeah, yeah I know that one. Of course, I know that one, Mark. Yeah, but that, that again that is Pat Riley's only championship only. ring uh, as, a as a player. Yeah. You see his. Uh, look, well, we're gonna have a spoiler if I say it. But no, we're not doing. It. We're not having spoilers. But I'm just saying that is. It's again, it's such an interwoven story, isn't mm. it? There's all these things going on. Uh, you mentioned Jerry Buss, obviously. Jerry Buss. You're talking about him being an entrepreneur and bringing money into it in terms of getting the naming of the forum. He got it changed. Yeah, I know. You're, you're skipping ahead, Mark. This is like six, seven years away from where I am now. No, you just said he bought the team and bought the forum. That is. He bought the he... forum, but he doesn't change the name straight away. Oh, that's when he starts the negotiation with Great Western Bank. Yeah, but he doesn't name the stadium until the 80s. No. Like late 80s. He basically takes nothing and sells some, sells nothing <laughs> and turns it into uh, money, doesn't it? And if you look at that, what that has inspired, I guess, in any sport around the world, any product now, isn't it? It's like, oh, we're going to yeah. have a basketball team. Okay, stadium. It's the Kia, what's the, the, the Kia Forum? That's the Kia Forum now. So, um, anyway, I believe that was in 88, but you've skipped. You've skipped Mark ahead. Never. Right. So, the Lakers, before Jerry Buss has done anything, they've got the overall uh, number one pick coming up. And that was due to a trade um, that they'd made with New Orleans Jazz. Yeah. Um, in the off season. And then it goes down to this. In those days, you had like the worst team in the West, worst team in the East, and they flip a coin. Now, I don't know if this is true, and I cannot remember what documentary I saw this on. 
but I saw, I swear it's not in my imagination. But the owner of the Chicago Bulls put it out to the fans. Do you want me to pick heads or tails if it comes to me making a choice? And whatever the fans said, he did the other, he did the other one. Yeah. What, as in the coin flip Jerry Bynes off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whatever he said, it was the other one. It went the other way around. Okay. Now, I, I, I swear that is true. I can't remember, but I swear the coin flip that could have changed the ball's history. Does it say that the, the fans had asked him to pick something? Uh, let's have a look, see. Let's see if we can find Maybe I'm getting it mixed up with the last dance or something like that. I could be wrong. But the Lakers had acquired the Jazz's 1979 draft pick in a trade. And they took part in this this traditional coin flip. Um, The NBA NBA did remove this. I want to say a couple of years later, maybe like five years later, they got rid of the coin flip altogether. You're looking excited like you found something. Coin flip to see if they would get a certain player. Yeah, it was a coin flip, but I think, like I said, I think he went, the uh, the owner went out and put it in a paper, let me know what you want to pick, and everyone went, heads. He then went, tails, and he lost. Yeah. And he got a bit of stick for it. I don't know if that's true, yeah. but I remember hearing that somewhere. Well, you're saying, hearing it somewhere, NBA.com, they're saying that is the, that is the humbled story of it. Okay, awesome. Well, anyway, um, so that stroke of luck of winning that coin fl- uh, uh, the coin flick did come at the expense of the Bulls yep. who ended up selecting David Greenwood a competent power forward Dave well done Dave. but his career paled in comparison <laughs> to Magic Johnson 12 time all star 5 time champion 3 time MVP of both regular season and finals they stood apart by a, a small margin another, some would say there's another uh Another person in the uh, draft that year, wasn't there? Um, who? Mr. Bird? No. He was in the year before. Was that the year before? He was the year before the Celtics. Again, you're throwing me under a bus here because I don't know this. Okay. But I, my understanding for what I remember is the year before Magic got signed, the Celtics for whatever reason, picked Larry. I don't know what number oh, it was. Oh, okay. They picked Larry, and then Larry turned around and went, I'm going back to college to, I don't know if it was finished college or do another year at college. By Larry going back to college, I don't know if that makes him eligible to go back into the new draft. I don't know that. But either way, Larry said, I'd committed to you, I'm going to the Celtics. And yes. Larry goes to Celtics the same year, as magic goes to LA. Okay, makes sense. And we've got to probably talk about that game now you brought Bird up. So you had the NCAA finals, which was... Yeah, you're correct. 1978, he was in the draft, but he said, no, I'm finishing at Indiana State, and I'm going to finish that off, and then I'll come to you straight afterwards. Yeah. So, yeah. I I don't know if he signed anything, but Larry came across like, if he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it, isn't he? Sixth overall pick, Larry Bird. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) <laughs> wow jeez um, you, I think we should actually do a show on worst NBA draft picks where someone's picked someone and it's like you've I got I bet there's going to be some oh, there's some great ones I think so anyway 
you have that huge game, Larry versus Magic. Larry goes into it as a bad game. Magic's absolutely on fire. Wins the, the big NCAA college tournament. Cut in the net. Larry's looking like, I remember that. Yeah. And I think that game set them both up for their future of what was to come. Two competitors. You've got the, um, you know, the the farmer, the hick from French Lick. French Lick. And then you've got the razzmatazz in LA. And then, you know, it ends up in Boston Lakers. And anyway. Right. So, where were we? So we got this. Now I'm going to go back to my wording. We've got a rookie owner. And now we've got a rookie star. And Magic was a huge star. So I don't know if you know this, but there was a pre-game that Magic went to. And it was just in like a college, something like that. And the Lakers turn up for this pre-game, just a pre-warm-up, nothing too serious. And, you know, Magic's just like, how many people are going to be there? And they're like, oh, maybe a couple of hundred. You've got a couple of thousand turn up. And they're like, wow, this is ram. People hanging on the rafters, people hanging over balconies and all that. And they were just there for Magic. So... From day one of him coming into LA, he was an absolute star that just attracted people. And oh, the 100%. numbers in the forums suddenly started going up. Yep. And um, there was one amazing quote uh, I want to just highlight that Magic said. And any of the young listeners listening to this now, if you're going to take anything from this podcast or remember anything today please remember this quote from magic johnson so magic johnson's turns up as a guy called michael cooper who is an absolute future star with the lakers as well and they're talking about it and um they're talking about the team and at some point magic turns around to michael cooper and says coop do you know what team stands for and Cooper says, looking at him like, what? And he goes, do you know what team stands for? Team stands for together, everybody achieves more. Let's go. What a great, what a great quote. Yeah, cheesy, isn't it? It's good though. It's cheesy, but it's good. Yeah. It's good. Together, everybody achieves more. I love that. Um, anytime I'm coaching and I can slip that one in, I will say that all the time. Great quote. Um, so, you got Jerry Buss now. He's insisting that the Lakers have a fast pace, a running game. Um, Jerry West, he's retired as Lakers head coach. Yes. And the team have um, recruited Jack McKinney to install this fast pace running offense. Right, Mark, we're now at the start of our first Showtime Lakers season. Yes. Oh. How long was that? It took 23 minutes to get to our first game. Yep. Anyway, I told you this was going to be a long one. Anyway, so they've just got Jack McKinney. Um, and, you know, he. this is his first time as an NBA coach um, with the Lakers. Yep. Um, Jack McKinney comes into the team. He's being asked to put this quick offense together. Um, quick running offense together. McKinney, he's got this rookie who's six foot nine in Magic Johnson. Um, and people are talking about Magic playing forward at this point. Um, 
but he puts him as point guard. Um, even though they had a guy called Norm Dixon, who was one of the best point guards in the league. Um, now, we've got to talk about Magic's first game with the Lakers. It's one of the great moments, I think, um, of like Magic's career. And uh, it will always be in those videos. And it's where I'll, I'll probably say his trademark enthusiasm for the game. When you've got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar hitting a last-second um, hook shot from about the free throw line or somewhere around there against the uh, San Diego San Diego Clippers, and Magic Johnson just runs up to him on the court, high-fiving everybody, but in particular, he just does a bear hug on Kareem. Now you would have seen that, haven't you, Mark? And this was quite funny because it was causing concern. Um, that this young player, you know, is just going to burn himself out. And I think even uh, Kareem was just like, you need to chill out, mate. You need to <laughs> chill out. You're celebrating this game like um, we've just won the NBA Finals. This is game, the first game of the regular season. And Magic's just like, hey, if you hit a shot like that, I'm, cut, I'm hugging you every time. Um, I also think there's a little side story here, um, which is Magic when he becomes, uh, when he's a rookie, I think, and I don't know if it was, I'm assuming they did this to all the players, but I, I have nothing to back this up again, but I think they assign Magic to Kareem. And so Magic's like, you know, Kareem, what do you need? And Kareem's like, Every morning, I want newspaper and a glass of orange juice at 6 a.m. For, for my yoga session or whatever he was doing. Anyway, Magic was like, yes, sir, with his enthusiasm. I'll see you at 6 a.m. And like 6 a.m. Hi, Kareem, here's your orange juice. Kareem's just like, boom, slammed the door in his face. But anyway, after a while, I, think, I don't know how long he did that, but I heard he was doing that. But I think because of his uh... look, Kareem at that point, you got to remember he'd come. He already won one championship with Milwaukee Bucks prior to coming to LA, and that was like sixty-five or something like that. He won his and he won his MVP as well in like nineteen seventy or something or whatever. Like Kareem was the star at at the Lakers prior to Magic arriving, wasn't he? He was, you know, yeah, league's MVP. But with Magic now, you're also talking about a prolific scorer yep. and rebounder. Prolific rebounder. Absolutely. Um, and he was soon leading the league in triple doubles, racking up 10 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists um, in games. Um, and it, it, he was rated as he was racking up those triple doubles um, as second to NBA Hall of Famer Oscar Robertson. Yep. And with that, I guess that flair and enthusiasm, I mean, he was to be reckoned with, wasn't he? I don't know how I don't know how long he was getting Magic Johnson orange juice in the morning. <laughs> but um So yeah, so this is this is the weird one. So, you know, Jack McKinney, it seems to be he seems to be working for him. Um and you know, the Lakers are 13 games into the season. Nine wins, four losses. You know, they're doing all right. And then he has this bicycle accident. Yeah, it's horrific. 
Um, and he suffers like a near fatal head injury yeah. um, after falling off his bike. And um, I think they were good friends, but assistant coach was Paul Westhead. Um, and they'd worked together before. And then they were talking about the actual recovery time of Jack McKinney. And there was these lingering doubts about, you know, when's he going to come back? And is his mental, I don't know what the word is, is his mental... Um, it's not just the acumen, it's like, is, is he there? Can is he, he there? Can he yeah. Is it? his yeah. ability there? Yeah. Um, and combined with the team's level of success under him, um, unfortunately, he was never going to get the opportunity to come and return to the job. No. And Westhead, um, sorry, Westhead's success in his absence is what I meant to say there. Yes. It, he was never going to come back. And no, no. Westhead continued to use McKinney's offence um, of this spontaneous offence that came to be known as the, the, show, the showtime. Um, and the season finished with a record of 60 wins, 22 losses. The Lakers advanced um, through the through the players, uh, sorry, the playoffs. And um, at this point, it's probably worth. I'm going to go off subject here and talk about a broadcaster for the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes, sir. Whose name was Pat Riley. Big Pat. So Pat Riley um, became a broadcaster in 1979 for the Lakers. 77. Sorry, 77. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, yeah. it says 77 here. Um, in November 1979, after Jack McKinney gets injured, um, Paul Westhead took over the team and hires Pat Riley as assistant coach. Who obviously was a champion prior of the, of the Lakers in 72, so... If you think like seven makes years, sense. Seven years previous, yeah. he loves Lakers. NBA he's, champion. Yeah, bring yeah. him, bring him, and he's now the broadcaster. Yeah, bring him on. And he would have had that relationship with uh, Jay West. Yeah. So they wouldn't. Everyone knows each other. So yeah. yeah. Um, and I think Pat Riley was well up for it. Yeah. Um, there is this TV show. The Silver Fox. I've watched. It's I, can't, I think it's called something like Showtime with the Los Angeles Lakers or something like that, but it's. A dramatization of the Lakers. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, that's I, it. I don't know how accurate that is <laughs> at all. But I actually found it quite entertaining watching it. I don't know how accurate it is. Um, but um, yeah, it, it might be worth watching that. But uh, in that, they make out that Pat Riley is desperate to be coach and he hates being a broadcaster. Yeah. I don't know about that, but. Um, look, someone gives you an assistant coach role in the NBA, you're taking it. Look, let's look at all of the... I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because look at a lot of sports players. And, and that could be anything. Cricket, football, basketball, rowing, badminton, you name it. As soon as they all finish doing the sport, a lot of them look at broadcast because they're experts in their field and they're, they're the great people to commentate on. So it makes total sense that he's been... After he finished his playing career get him in as either a coach or a broadcaster it's, it's like a natural progression these days isn't it really like you know you look now who's brought who's broadcasting reggie miller charles barkley Shaq. like <laughs> they're people you want broadcasting so it, it totally makes sense but um, um well there's something i i know you want to talk about 
and uh, it's worth talking about it, which is, I don't think I'm being mean here, but he had his, he was, he looked a bit hippie-ish <laughs> in the 70s, doesn't he? Um, yeah. I don't, I think. He lived the LA lifestyle. I'm going to say, this is, I could be wrong. Excuse me. Um, that I think when he is then becoming part of the, the coaching staff of the Lakers and he's seeing how Magic and Cream are marketing themselves. Yeah. I think that's when he thinks he can market himself and that's when the Italian suits come out and the slicked hair comes back and moustache comes off. I could be wrong, um, but it was around that time. It was ar- I think it was around the time he goes from assistant coach to head coach when that, when that happens. Um, but you know, you, I, I don't want to talk too much about him, but you got to say he added to the team's Hollywood image when oh, he did that. He can't be getting, yeah. I mean, 100%. Go back and look at some of the Hollywood films in those days, and yep. you got films copying his look. Oh, um, uh, I mean, yeah. Pat's, Pat is not, not just old school, he's, he's, he's classy. You look at him, the way he carries himself and the, what he does. A lot of the places he's been to that have been very, very successful. And you've got to say it's in part to him. You know, you look at Phil Jackson, same sort of thing. But the way that they hold themselves as a coach, you go, there's a reason they've been, their teams that they've been at have been successful. There's, they've, they've got something in it. Yeah. And one of the things I like about Pat Riley, do you know what one of his mantras were? Uh, more brill cream in the hair. <laughs> he said, this is what I love. So people, when they talk about Showtime Lakers, what do you think? Offense, run and go. Oh, yeah. yeah? It's all highlight plays. Riley's yeah. mantra, mantra was, no rebounds, no championship rings. Oh, I love that. Well, I don't, well, actually, I've added championship. He said, no rebounds, no rings. Oh, I love that. That's, um, that's. And, and this is, this is a great thing I found, you know, about his, innovation on defense he's one of the first coaches to employ the one three one half court trap to pick up the pace of the game um and even though the showtime lakers were known for their offense they won championships because of their defense yeah I mean, no rebounds players. no rings anyway i'm gonna put a pause because i know i'm at playoffs now in year one yep and i'm gonna put a pause I'm not sure when this started. I don't know if it was as soon as the season started. I think it. I think it would have been at the, when Jerry Buss took over. It would have been very close. Yep. But there was one huge innovation that Jerry Buss commissioned in 1979 that we all love, and that was the Laker girls. Laker girls. <laughs> the Laker girls, and yeah. he believed that a basketball yeah. game obviously should be entertaining something they were striving for in England at the moment. Get some TANA on the court. And That's what they were trying to do. He, I think he was a big fan of the college game. And yes. he was looking at that, obviously, he would be inspired by other places like that nightclub and stuff like that. And he was putting all his experience together. Um, he understood it's entertainment. It's not just a sport. Like you said, it's a package. People are going for an experience. And who's going to be at that experience? We're going to get the Hollywood people that experience. It's set in Hollywood. We're going to have all these fantastic things going off. We're going to have noise. We're going to have dancers. Yep. Why would you not want to be here? Well, he brings the Laker girls and 
Do you know one of the most famous Laker girls? I don't. Paula Abdul. Oh, okay. What was that song she did? <laughs> Two trials. Where she was dancing with a cartoon or something, wasn't it? Was it Opposites like a, attract. Opposite, opposite. You're dancing with a wolf. We come together it? like opposites attract, you know. know. Yeah. yeah. Terrible. Anyway, I like that. I had the cassette of that, the actual cassette <laughs> tape of that single. Yeah. The anyway, kind of looked like she Tom. was. She was like the lead choreographer at one point. The choreographer. What did I say? I don't know, but you butchered it. All right, whatever that word you just said, she was that, <laughs> but like the head one. Oh, I okay. didn't know. No, no, that's cool. Um, and no, she was in with the Laker girls um, until she was discovered by the Jacksons. Anyway, so the 1979-80 season ends 60-22. Um, they beat Phoenix 4-1 uh, and current champions, Seattle Supersonics. They beat them 4-1. Mark, I said it like that because I know you like Seattle Supersonics. Yeah. And then they take on. I am holding a finger up for all of those who can't see. <laughs> he is. He is holding a middle <laughs> finger up to me. Um, and then they move on to the Philadelphia 69, six, 76ers. Bloody hell, it's getting wow. late now. I've got some coffee over there. I said 69ers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they should change it. I mean, it would catch on. They definitely sell a load of merch, but... You'd be going, love, I'm just going to go watch the 69ers. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> For the record, they're not the 69ers, they're the 76ers. Can I just put a little bit of context on, purely on Magic Johnson, really briefly, for any of the younger listeners who never got to see Magic playing, to give you an idea of just the impact of him as a player in this first season... He's six foot nine. Magic Johnson's a big dude. Yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah, he's a big. He's like like LeBron size. And he's point guard. Yeah. So who else does that right now at the moment? Luka Doncic. Oh God. No, no. Yeah. You always have to go. No, no, no. It always goes back. But Let's the just reason do a is whole show on Dallas no, but and what, Seattle. No. And you the reason is because a lot of people say, "Why is he so good?" And they say it's because he echoes Magic. Because it's not just about the scoring. It's about the vision on the court. It's about a big person, but playing as a point guard. It doesn't, that, that never happened. And now we're going back in, that, you know, this is 2024. That was 1980. You didn't have a six foot nine, big built dude. <laughs> yeah, I'll play out the point. Mm. You know, we're playing old school here where there's a point guard, there's a shooting guard, there's a center. You're playing, you know, hand in the fence defense. Someone's six foot nine, you go, Get in the key. Well, like, that, don't be that's outside. That's why they were talking about magic playing yeah. forward, and they put in point guard. But what thing? The, what the? You got to talk about magic as definitely in the conversation as arguably one of the greatest point guards of all time. Oh God, hundred percent. I mean, he was the classic. Bring it down. I'm going to pass to you. No, Woo. One it's gone the other way. It's got to be one of the most influential players of all time. Um, yeah. So, where was I? Uh, oh, so. You know, look, Philadelphia 76ers, they're no pushovers. They got Julius Irving. The doctor. He is the guy who does that classic move on the baseline. Do you know what I'm talking about? He jumps yep. up on the baseline. The Lakers jumps to block him. They all then come down and land. He's still flying and then comes <laughs> under the, yep. under the other side of the uh, hoop and off the, off the glass. Um, Made famous by MJ, of course. Well, you got to say without... 
Julius Irving, you don't have that inspiration no. for Michael Jordan. No. And a lot of people Maybe. know Dr. J from the dunk competition and the rock the baby when he does that sort of massive dunk. But I would also say Dr. J, I could be wrong, he was the first person to jump from the free throw line and yeah. do the Jordan dunk. And everyone goes, oh, the Jordan dunk. That's yeah. the Dr. J dunk. That's right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so um, what was I talking about? The doctor. Oh, everyone came down. He stays up. Yeah. So um, that was that moment is in game four of this NBA championships. And that's the 79 to 80 season, isn't it? This is the 79 to 80 season. Yes. yes. The first first season. I've written this in a certain way because we got confused. Yeah. Well, you got confused and then you confused me last time. And then you got confused. Yeah. So. Um, Where was I? Oh, right. Can I? This is something I, I wanted to point out as well you talked about bird i'd like to point something out as well you've got your glasses case open on the desk over there put them on i can see i can see all right because i'm looking at you that's mm. why um so something I, I wanted to highlight was the 76ers took on bird and the celtics now yes boston weren't the team that they were going to become which was Again, arguably one of the greatest teams assembled. Yes. However, they did have Larry Burt, Pistol Pete, Maxwell, Carr, some of the players that you, you, you've heard of. And they were top of the Eastern Conference with 61 wins, 21 losses that season. Philadelphia finished third, but they were only two wins behind them. Yes, yeah. So... This series, this is Magic's first, first final. And game one, Lakers take it. And they win in the forum. And it's the first NBA finals in the forum since 1972. When did I say it was? Yeah, 72 was the... Um, last time they'd been in the, fi in the playoffs yeah. or in the finals. Right, so last time. And they win their first game. You know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with 33 points! Magic, high on assists. Again, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 14 rebounds. Um, Philadelphia get game one at the Forum. Then they go back to Philadelphia. Now, these were the days. Let me just double check this. I think these were the days when you had two games. Whoever had the highest. Oh, that was that weird thing, wasn't it? Wasn't it? With two? what it is now. So it's 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, 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 one. One. Yes. And we're going to come later to a two-three-two. Two. Yes. Yep. And and have a guess who convinced the league to do that? Mm. Red Auerbach. Yeah. And so it just so happened Boston when it meant that they would have had three games at home could win the championship there. But we'll come on to that. I think we'll come on to that. Red Auerbach is uh, Boston. Coach. Boston's most famous cigar smoker. We'll come back to that. So anyway, it's uh, in the forum. They leave one-one. They go to Philadelphia, known as the Spectrum. What a great name that was. That was one of the highlights of childhood. <laughs> the Spectrum. The Spectrum. What, that board that Andrew and Steve made? Yeah. That, for, we say names like everyone knows who it is. So as kids, my brother and his best friend, they got a plank of wood. It was a scaffold. Actually, Steve's been on the show. He's talked yeah. about this. It's they a, got scaffolding a scaffolding plank, isn't it? Yeah. And they wrote Spectrum. And on one end of the... Uh, the scaffolding plank they put a backboard and a ring and that's how we play basketball we just tied it to a garage we, we used to tie it to that garage and then 
throw it around and get the ball into everyone's garden. Yeah, anyway, so they leave the Spectrum, it's 2-2. They go to the Forum, it's 3-2. Now, game five is what we want to talk about, Mark, because Kareem rolls his ankle. Um, now, don't forget, in the regular season, he was the MVP, and he was arguably considered the best player in the world. He was a dominant player. Oh, yeah, Kareem was, yeah, yeah 100%. Your best player, arguably, has now rolled his ankle. Um, and whatever Sixers big men Dale Dawkins and um, Caldwell Jones did contest they couldn't contain him but in the third quarter I think it was the third quarter the game is tied he does uh, I think one of his uh, classic finger roll moves he lands on one of the Sixers players he sprained his ankle Um, and a lot of the Laker people are going hang on man is, is our curse coming back where we are... Don't forget, you brought this up about the Lakers and their history in the finals. Yes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've gone to the finals a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah. And have lost. And they're yeah. like, man, hang on. We're gonna we're being jinxed. I should have pulled up how many times they've been in the finals and lost for you. But you don't want your best player um, getting injured. <laughs> and I've got this quote here. Uh, team physician Robert Kurland um, wanted uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to go to, immediately to the hospital but Kareem turned around and said take this up put me back on I'm going back out and I've heard him say this um, his, inj- his, inj- his injured ankle was taped up tight and he returned to the court and uh, at the start of the fourth quarter and I've heard him say even on a badly sprained ankle, I knew I was better than two guys who were trying to defend me. That's his mentality going wow. into it. So he was he was a bit like confident. Um, bit like Isaiah. It. When Isaiah busts his ankle. And you're like, Isaiah's coming off. Like, take it I know what you're ankle. saying. That is in this story. I But this is like ten ten years before, so I'm just saying. Oh, it's like five. No, uh what so this is seventy nine. Oh, yeah, it's about nine years before. Yeah. But it's... um, I think Isaiah did his his a lot worse. Yeah, and I'm just saying as a mentality, as yeah, in yeah, like, yeah. Go, I've, you, I've rolled you, it. I'm still carrying on. You go into some... Yeah, yeah. ...some play, uh, place. You're com- you're, you, are, you are comparing one of the greatest ever performances of an, on an injured thing. Yeah. Against Isaiah. But yes, it's, it is up there. No, the, the mentality-wise, it's yeah, still yeah, yeah. the same thing of I'm not tapping out. Yeah, is, yeah. Is it hanging off? No, let's go. And... It is clear he is in pain. And he's just, again, exactly what you've said. He's channeled some unnatural focus and just delivered. Um, With 33 seconds left, scores tied. Uh, He dunks on Julius Irving and gets the AM1. And that leads to the Lakers um, winning 108-103. However, after the sprained ankle, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with his 14.6 rebounds. Um, 40 points in that game. Yeah, sorry, with the sprained ankle, 14 points, um, six rebounds. 4-0. Yeah, yeah, he ends the game with 40, 40 points, 15 rebounds and four blocks. Yeah, yeah. Um, due to the injury, he wasn't able to play game six, which is, again, in this format, that 2-2, 1-1-1-1, mm. goes back to Philly, goes back to the Spectrum. Yes, of course it does. The Lakers... Um, were hoping he'd be able to 
play at the forum in a game seven. And that's what he was doing. He was like, my ankle is screwed. Let's hope I can get game seven. And that's where his mindset was. Um, and at this point, I just want to talk about Magic's mentality here because it was very clear. And I don't get this with teams. Who cares? It's like with teams, it goes, who, who's, whose team is this? Who's the man on the team? And it's like, this is Magic's team, this is Kareem's team. Magic quite openly said in the uh, first season, this is, Mag uh, this is Kareem's team, I'm here to help. And I don't, I don't know why other people don't do that. Um, anyway, things are about to change. And this is, I'm listening to, uh, in my head, I'm listening to uh, Michael Cooper say this. They're sat on a plane. And he said there was this, uh, it was like the, the front seat was like, let's say A1. And he goes, A1 was always Kareem's seat. No one sat in it other than him. And he goes, all of a sudden you can, some of a beatbox. Magic comes on with a massive beatbox. And uh, I'm going to clean up the language. Um, but he, he's got a big smile on his face. He goes to Kareem's seat, sits in Kareem's seat, listens to the music, turns around to every single player and he goes, hey, no need to fear, magic is here. With his music, big smile. Um, I did clean that up. I think there might be a bit more colorful language in that. Well, yeah. that's how Cooper said it anyway. So game six, Magic Johnson played what has to be arguably one of the greatest games of his career. Playing on the road, Johnson, he's a rookie. He's six foot nine. He's point guard. Starts the game at center and eventually plays all five positions in a dominating performance. Um, he scores 42 points, grabbing 15 rebounds, gets seven assists. Um, it's got to be the best player, uh, the best performance by a rookie probably ever. I can't think of any other rookie that's ever performed. We'd have to go through it, but it's it's up there. It's got wait, you're talking top three. It's got to be top three of all time. Yeah, I, d I mean, I'd have to really, really think rookies. Um, yeah, it's, it's got to be up there. Like he literally just grabbed the team and went jump on the back. Here we go. Um, but you know what I love about Magic Johnson? Um, he taught. Uh, let me also let me add before I say this. Um, he, uh, so what did I say? 42 points, 15 rebounds, 7 assists. Um, and they're 3-2 up going into game 6. Yeah, he, he, he's leading them there to the NBA, the NBA title. The Lakers also received strong performances from Jamal Wilkes. 37 points and 10 rebounds. Um, obviously, strong contributions from Norm Nixon um, as well. Now, this is what Magic said after the game, which I loved. Um, where's this quote I found for you? You'd love it. Uh, Magic Johnson's performance. This is from an article. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the New York Times uh, I found this in. It said, Magic Johnson's performance in game six in the series earned him the 1980 NBA Finals Most Valuable Player. What made Johnson's performance even more remarkable that he was an NBA rookie and indeed one who just left college after two years um, and was only 20 years old. He says after the game, Jamal Wilkes had an unbelievable game, said Johnson. Uh, uh, everybody talked about my 42 points, but it was also his 47-point effort. Now, I mean, he was talking 
in retrospect of the game. Yeah. But look, he's he's not talking about himself there, and you know, I I love that about um, that quote. Fifteen rebounds and nine assists in that game as well. And he him. played positions one to five. I like that's is staggering. There's how many other players can actually genuinely do that? Like what everyone talks about MJ the goat, blah blah blah, and all these other players. There's not many players who could play a center and then play a point guard. Doing center and a forward, oh, I can see that happening. Center and a guard, yeah. <laughs> well, the the great moment I love about this season is Jerry Buss is holding up the trophy as a, and I'm going back to my word, wording. Jerry Buss is holding up the trophy as a rookie owner with his rookie star that he signed, his rookie MVP finals. And also, he's got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the MVP for the league, for the regular season. Yeah. That's his first season. <laughs> Plus, he's brought in all the the whole Showtime, the Razzmat yep. Razzmatazz, um, which now I will say, other teams in the league are starting to go, oh, we should do that and copy that. 100%. And, so, and, and at that point, he still owns the... Was it the LA Kings and there was a tennis club he owned or something? Some, yeah, I think it was called the LA Strings or something, believe he, it or not. I think he only the tennis club bef way before the Lakers. That was before. Yeah, that was his and first taste of I it. I think that league folded before the Lake he bought the Lakers, is my understanding, but I could be wrong. But the the uh, the He LA, does get rid of the Kings. The Kings he get he gets rid I of I don't know when. At, at some other stage. Um Pro probably when he needed money for the Lakers. Possibly, but it's, but it's worth still mentioning at this point, he's he has all of this overhead going on. Yeah, and that that's what 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 a first season for Jerry Buss. What a first season for for Magic Johnson. And now I I guess that whole conversation, whose team it, whose team is it? If you if you look through the history books. From now on, look at the history books and see who's captain of the team. I know you would yeah. have looked. Who's ca who's captain? Do you think of that team? Yeah, you're going to say the wrong answer. Well, I was going to say Kareem, but Kareem and Magic are, are both down as captains. Co-captains are they? Yeah. Oh wow. Which I thought was really cool. So I don't know if they. I don't know. When I saw, it, I thought, wow, are they co-captains, or, I mean, they're not missing games. That's no, one no, of the no. things. All these players are playing 76 to 82 games in the regular season. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, so anyway, look, we're now going to the second season of the Showtime Lakers. And, you know, this is uh, the 1980-81 season. Um, now, this is kind of a bit of, I guess, deflated season because Magic gets a knee injury. And he misses 45 games. The The Lakers, I think, they, I mean, it's an impressive 42 for 28 record in the regular season. Um, and they were the number three seed. What are you laughing at? What have you read? Uh, what have I said? No, I've just remembered something you're going to hate when I say. <laughs> oh, God, what? Let me guess. Is it something to Dallas or Seattle? It's the most important event in the NBA history. What? 1980 was the inaugural year of the Dallas Mavericks into the NBA. Oh, well, well thank you for sharing that on the Showtime Lakers podcast, Mark. Well done. 
Anyway. Get them in there. So they go to the Western Conference playoffs. Um, and this is a shock because you've got an underdog in the Houston Rockets. Eliminates the Lakers in a best yeah. of three. Because don't that first season, the first round was always best of three. Um, and yeah, they they. I kind of like that actually. The best of three is the first round because that's that is really. I know it's pulling back a, a few games, but at the same time, that's really helping because it's like we all talk about load management nowadays. You're saying 82 games, and we're talking load management with players and people getting injured. There was only 23 teams in the league at this point. Just worth mentioning. We've got 30 teams in there at the moment now. Yeah. They were still playing 82 games. It's 82 games. It's yeah. still exactly the same. So they had less teams. So they were probably playing everyone once more round, I think. Um, I'd imagine it would have been on the other conference, it would have been twice. But then... Yes. You played it. Th- if I remember rightly, it was always like you played, like there was local games that you play like every other week. You play, uh, you know, LA would play Sacramento. Like every, <laughs> every third week, they'd always play Sacramento or something like that. Yeah. Well... And this is what I think is a little sad, in a way, is... And I wonder if this is why you have people like, players like Kobe, whose mentality is like this. So we're doing, talking about the Showtime Lakers. Yep. We're now focused on playoffs. Yeah. I, like, my notes on the regularly, on the regular season are, something noteworthy has happened, I'll talk, we're talking playoffs now. Oh, it, it's, you're here now. And I expect this. You've got to perform enough to get to the playoffs. But the history you'll... books, it will be a, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you won 82 games. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. You, oh, you didn't win the ring. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that's what you remember. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, huge, huge player comes in at this stage. This is the 98-182 season, Mark. Kurt Rambis, power forward, yes. legend. Those who don't know Kurt Rambus, he's the guy who's, um, I guess, looks a bit hippie-ish as well and has got the glasses. Am I being mean by saying hippie? No. Just mullet, wasn't he? Yeah, mullet. He's a mullet. Anyway, um, so the team start out. Um, oh, can I just go back? That first season, I said that they won. Just want to highlight. Yep. You also got your rookie assistant coach Pat Riley has won his Correct. first championship just yep. want to go back and say that yep and I also want to say that as we're talking about that's 1980 to 81 season and they they bombed out of the playoffs there yep who went on to win that oh the Boston Celtics yeah so Correct. Boston Boston uh, beat Houston 4-2 yep so they actually Boston so Lakers I think it's important because you, when you're talking about Showtime Lakers, the obvious teams that are coming up are basically Celtics, maybe Detroit, but you're pretty much talking, you're touching everyone in that main era, really. Yeah, well, this is why the 80s, these teams were so dominant. Were, I mean, this like, was... They were super teams, This they? is a point I'm going to say at the end. Yeah. But from 1980, for all of the 80 years in the playoffs. So from 1980 playoffs to 1989 playoffs, Larry or Magic are in the NBA finals. Yeah. Um, 
And that's why they were just dominant. They didn't meet as much as everyone thinks. I think they met three times. Yes. In those nine years, they meet they meet three times. But um, yeah, I mean, Magic or Larry are in the finals every year. But their their rivalry came obviously from college, and yeah. spilled out over into into that. So you got Kurt Rambis has just joined the team, um, and the team. This is mass. This this one is 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 mental. So the team starts seven and four, but six of those wins they only win by four points or fewer. And they're getting um, the media are criticizing uh, head coach Westwood because he starts changing the offense and making it more structured. Um, and Magic doesn't like this. Um, they do win five in a row, but Bus was always uh, was also getting a bit frustrated with the offense. Um, I'm just going to go to a, a moment here. And I, I'm just reading this. For, I, I took this article from a paper. On November 18th, on 1981, at halftime while on the road at Utah, Magic Johnson and coach Paul Westhead had a verbal altercation in a locker room. When you hear someone writing verbal altercation, you know they're screaming at each other, don't you? <laughs> it's been stated by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar that Johnson had offered input on the game which resulted in Westhead twice telling him to shut up. Johnson then told reporters after the game, now this is huge Mark, he tells reporters after the game actually I don't know what the result of that game is doesn't matter. I don't know what the result of that game is but at the end of this game Johnson then goes and talks to reporters and he says I will be, I want to be traded and I want to be traded anyway I don't care now look, it's it, magic goes to the press for that announcement. I mean, again, we've talked about this before when we were talking about um, the famous quote by Dennis Rodman. Yep. You've just lost a game. You've got that passion. You've got that emotion, and a reporter sticks a microphone and goes, "Hey, what do you think about this?" Yep. Maybe it was emotion, but I, I, I don't know. Anyway, um, but I, it, it's not the it's the first time Magic does it. Yep. But it's not the last time he makes an announcement no. in the press without the owners. And I can't help when I when I read this bit, I thought about when he becomes um, head of basketball operations. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot later down the line. Yeah, I'm, I want to say that's uh, late twenty teens, isn't it? Yeah. Whenever yeah. it was, he then he doesn't tell Ginny Bus, oh, I'm off. He says it in the press, and she's like, Ah, okay, that kind of make it's that she was annoyed but it's like ah oh, that makes sense he did that to my dad as well yeah um and i think she realizes quite quick he just hasn't got the heart to go to her face no. to face and no, say he doesn't that's the shield yeah 100 and do you know what the the it's you can see what as soon as you see it you see the pattern that makes sense but i will say that magic you know maybe un unwittingly set a trend there by uh, i knew you're gonna players say this, yeah. having that voice to say, I want to trade. I want to go here. I want to do this. Now, it's, I'm not pinning this just on magic because obviously that was the era in the 80s and basketball was really emerging at that point and it was really getting adopted by the mainstream. People were really getting behind it. So, it, it, you know, it was just one of those multiple factors that played yeah. a part in it. Yeah. But it does, it does immediately set that precedent for when you then go... 30 years forward and you've got people like LeBron saying I want this team I want that trade I want this and 
It, yeah, it could have and, set that present. And it's because what was the first thing they do? They don't keep it behind doors. They go straight to media and you go, oh, come on. I think my favourite media one is when you got Dwight Howard talking, saying we're no, great don't. friends. Yeah, no. <laughs> Who was the coach? <laughs> what was the coach's name? Uh, he then comes on and goes, yeah, what, he just Stan asked. Stan Van Gundy, that one. Yeah, he, he then comes on and goes, yeah, he just, he just asked me to get fired or something like that. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, he, no, he does that first and then Dwight Howard comes on. Yeah. Well, that, um, you know, you're talking, this is 81, 82 season for, again, for the younger listeners, just for a little context, this is pre Stranger Things. So whenever you watch Stranger Things and you see all the world and what it's about there and then, this is before Stranger Things. Yeah. Like this is early, early 80, 81, 82. The rookie season of Isaiah Thomas. Oh, is it? Yes, it was. Oh, right, that's where our lot, the, the Detroit Bad Boys were like that. Um, well, look, so Magic has asked to be traded, which, you know what, you gotta say the Lakers fans uh, liked um, Westhead. They were supporting Westhead. Magic gets booed for this, like down the line, because he's like, they're like, they're, he's like, the fans are like, this is because of you. Um, however, however, um, I heard in a documentary that Jerry Buss was unhappy with the style of the Lakers offense because it was changing from that run and gun showtime style that he liked. And he was intending to fire Westhead days before Magic had said oh, something okay. about the altercation. Yeah. Um, but it was um, um, the general managers who convinced him to delay his decision. Now, I don't know. Jerry Buss comes across to me like someone who might take a hit for their star. And he could be saying that to go, no, no, I was going to do it anyway. Like to give, take a bit of heat off magic. I don't know, but that's what happened. So one day after the events, Lake Sony, Jerry Buss held, um, holds a press conference at the forum. He announces the firing of Westhead. His replacement being, <laughs> and this is the weird thing. I don't, have you ever, do you know the, do you know the, and, um, the conference that I'm talking about. Uh, don't think so. So he he comes on. Listen to it. It's quite it's quite funny. So he's convinced Jerry West to come back, and he makes the announcement. I've got Pat Riley. He was the assistant manager who's going to be working on defense, and I've got Jerry West who's going to be working on as the offense coach. And and they go brilliant. And um, you can kind of see Pat Riley looking there like what and then jerry west goes on the podium and says in front of all the media i'm here to help pat riley pat riley is the head coach i'm just here to support him and jerry bus is like all right i didn't know that he doesn't say it then but he's like look i support jerry west i've given him the power to make those decisions if he's going to make those decisions he's just made a decision that pat riley's new head coach Pat Riley, you're the new head coach. So that's how Pat Riley becomes head coach. It's a little weird. Yeah, I've I've heard parts of that. Uh, yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me if I want to not Pat had fabricated that, but I'd imagine Jerry would have seen. No, Pat is not gonna take that line down. Pat, Pat doesn't look like someone who'd be particularly uh, forgiving in that situation. No, and you know. Um, 
Pat Riley comes back and the Lakers up tempo style gets restored. And, well, let's go on and see what happens in this season. So, regular season now ends. 57 wins, 22 losses. Go to the playoffs. They beat Phoenix 4-0. They beat Spurs 4-0. They're now in the 1981-82 playoffs. Um, and they're taking on, once again, the Philadelphia 76ers. And um, who knocked out the reigning champions at that yeah, time? Yeah, that's what I was just trying to see. Yeah, they they knocked out um, Boston, and uh, Lakers had knocked out San Antonio. So it was Lakers versus Philadelphia once again. Yeah, so it was it, yeah the second time they've met them. Um, where is it? Yeah, um, and it's interesting because. Philadelphia knocking out Boston. Uh, they were going for each other, those they, teams. They yeah. were, not only were they going for each other, but the Celtics had the best record of the whole NBA at that point. Yeah, they did. And they were top of that, not only the division, but the whole, you know. They, so it was a bit like um, fast forward to modern times when we've you know, very recently seen Milwaukee. They were top of the championship by quite a considerable amount. And they tumbled out the first round of the playoffs. Everyone's like, well, "What's going on here? You were you were champions, and now what?" So yeah. it was that kind of oh, but but Philadelphia was still a force then. Yeah, they were, and this is the note I was looking for in the Eastern Conference Finals. The 76ers blew out the Celtics twice at the Spectrum. Yep. They take a three-one lead, only to lose the next two games in a harrowing replay of the 1981 playoffs. Uh, led by Andrew Tony's 34 points, the 76ers um, got rid of their demons and got rid of the Celtics. But um, in, in in a huge game seven, uh, the Boston crowd, this is what I love about this. This is what I read uh, in a newspaper as well. As time wound down, the Boston crowd realized the Celtics aren't going to the finals and they start chanting oh, they would, yeah. BLA BLA so they, they're like okay if you, we can't do it can you do it please um, that's how much they hated the Lakers um, <laughs> so yeah so we got a, a, a repeat of the um, previous year I no, think it's not the previous year, the 1979-1980 playoffs. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the it's it's the first time the, the Lakers go on, defeat the Philadelphia uh, 76ers uh, 4-2 in games. The 69ers. Um, what? <laughs> the 69ers, yeah. I'm not saying that again. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm stopping because I keep thinking it for some reason. Um, but the really great one about this is they win game six in the forum. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, I'm just looking through these stats. Game one, Magic dominates on rebounds. Game two, rebounds. Three, he's got most rebounds. Five, six. Other than one game where um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Kurt Rambis get more rebounds in him, he has more rebounds than anyone in every, uh, in every uh, game of bar one. Um, and again, Jerry Buss comes down and it's like, here you go. 
He's owned the team for three seasons. He's got two titles. Yeah. So his Showtime Lakers have got two titles. Man, we're in season three. We're in an hour and 12 minutes into this. Only another seven seasons to go. <laughs> God. Um, anyway, so, yeah, so they win. Um, and it's Pat Riley's first championship as head coach. Yeah. Um, so his second ever ring is... Third ring, sorry. Third ring, yes. He's got one as a player now, one as assistant coach, one as head coach. Head coach. Um, I believe he ends up nowadays, I think he's got nine or ten. I want no nine. I think it's nine, but we, we'll, we'll get there. So, um, so we now have the 1982-83 NBA season starting. And normally the championship winning team doesn't get a great pick no. in the NBA draft. However, no. however, the uh, rookie, a number one pick in the 1982 draft, James Worthy, goes to Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> I mean, come on. This is ridiculous, isn't it? Uh let me look at this. Um, the team had a top pick in the draft thanks to a trade they made years earlier. Um, the Lakers have sent Don Ford and their top pick in the 1980 NBA draft um, I, I, to the Cleveland Cavaliers in exchange for Butch Lee and the Cavs' top pick in the 1982. Prior to the implementation of the NBA draft, Lottery 85 teams with the two worst think they're this flip coin. Yes. And... The Lakers won the flip coin again against the San Diego Clippers. San Diego. San Diego. That and means they pick, a Wales. And they pick James Worthy. Future Hall of Famer, an absolute legend. I think he had just come <laughs> away from uh, playing with Michael Jordan. Yes. So, huge stroke of luck for the Lakers. You know, um, it's just brilliant, isn't it? You go. So what? What's their team at this point? It's, it's Magic Johnson, Kareem, and they've just got James Worthy. You go. Well, I'm really upset for him. <laughs> and coached by coached by Pat Riley as well. Well, they get like look, looking back on it now, you just think this is just a joke, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> well, three three years they had the number one pick, I and then just... and then they get it again, and they're reigning champions, um, and they win the flip coin. Um, no money exchanged hands in any of these uh, <laughs> instances, but that just seems very strange, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, so I might have said something wrong there. It might have been the Los Angeles Clippers that they won the coin flip with. Um, but anyway, James Worthy turns up, and I've heard him say this. He walks in to the Los Angeles train, first training session, and he sees Kareem, and he's like, okay, he's playing... He sees magic. Yep. He's, he's, he's looking at the players. He sees Kurt Rambis, and he's like, <laughs> boo, I'm going for you. I'm absolutely going for you, and I'm going for your spot. I want to get in. I want to get in the starting five. I'm going for you. And um, it's quite funny, because when he makes the comment, they tell Kurt Rambis this, and Kurt's like, oh, well, that's brilliant. That's really cool that he thought <laughs> like that of me. <laughs> um, but Kurt Rambis is like, he was like, man, I was playing hard. He goes, this kid's coming up against me. And he goes, I am playing hard against him. And, and James Worthy doesn't just walk straight into the squad. No. 
I um, think Kurt Rambis gets overlooked a little bit sometimes. He's such a cool, like whenever you see a little interview or something about him, he just seems like a really cool dude. And he wore the, the best glasses ever, other than James Worthy. Kurt Rambis. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Some... he, just, he just comes, he just looks like, if you went, oh, he plays in LA, you go, he is like an LA dude. Yeah. You just look at it, you've got the little mullet going on with the glasses, and you go, yeah, let's put Kurt down on a surfboard on the beach. There he is. Wow. Yeah, he, uh, he, um, he definitely had unique glasses, didn't he? he yeah. He, um, he definitely stood out. So this is something I believe happened in this year. I could be wrong. It might have been around these seasons, but I think it was in this season. Um, now, Jerry Buss, he's all about the entertainment side of things. He's got some of the best basketball players in the world, but he wants to change things off, off the court as well. So what does he do? He creates... A VIP lounge <laughs> where season ticket holders Genius. can hang out. And it's called the Forum Club. And it is a private club with full service bar. Can you imagine being in that club? Early 80s in that club. The shoulder pads would have been outrageous. Yeah, I mean, look, you've, you've got security on the door that is making sure guests and this is a quote guests with the right credentials could get in <laughs> jerry bus he um I, I remember them talking about this actually they say he has he had his own big private table and you would have beautiful women all over it plus you would have all the famous celebrities yeah. and but the famous celebrities would be like please can i get on jerry bus's table and also, it's a weird one, actually. I don't know why they just popped in my head. I think I think it was Snoop that said this. Like, it might have been Snoop who said this. He goes, he goes, you got famous... No, what did he say? It's famous people yeah. watching famous people watching famous people. Like, the player's like, oh, my God, they're watching me. But, you know, they're there watching the Lakers. Yeah, and yeah. They, you know, it's this... Uh, it was something like that. Something like that. I'm sure it was Snoop who said that. I mean, look, he's up there with Jack Nicholson. He's a massive LA fan. He is, yeah. Who's the other big one? I mean, you got loads. I mean, the other one that jumps out of the mind is Flea from the Chilies. He's he huge. Yep. He's really passionate about it. Like, he'll be doing a gig in, like, Italy, and he'll be like, what? He, he walked three miles yeah. to watch it on a small TV. I mean, I, I think Big Jack Nicholson, you've got to give him the credit, because he was there in Showtime. Well, he was there before. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he, he's Jack's been there for 40-plus years. He is the, I want to say, the original Laker man. He's probably, he's been there before Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> and um, let's just go into the uh, the forum club. Um, uh, yeah, here it is. Including a, a lot of, on Jerry's table, a lot of young, attractive women, some of them groupies, <laughs> who would often stand close to, to the door as the players arrived after the game. <laughs> yeah. Why is that? Michael Cooper. He says that... Um, <laughs> he goes, he's got such a cool voice the way he says it. He's like, you have to get there before magic. If you want to hang out with the groupies, when magic gets there, all bets are off. He gets the first pick. Or something like that. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. So he has this club and it is the place to be. Like everyone wants to be there, but it is real high profile. You know, it's invite only. And I'm pretty sure actually... I don't 
I'm I'm fairly confident when I say this that the um, Talking Basketball podcast would have got in. You're absolutely right; they would have. Hundred percent, we do better than maybe, maybe. Jezza, sling us a little VIP. Um, Jezza, yeah, that's what we call him, Jerry Bus. Jezza, what have we gone back in time? Oh, that's now, what I'd call we? him. All oh, right, yeah. Uh, um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think they they have a club like that anymore. What? Jenny's not having that. She's not having a club like that. Anyway, right. Um, who was it? Well, you throw me off sometimes <laughs> talking nonsense. What, what was I saying? Ah, John Spider Sally. Yes. He was, he was playing for um, Detroit. No, um, no. Wherever he was playing at that point in time, I'm, I've heard him in a documentary turn around and say, we just wanted that game over so we could get in the VIP lounge. Uh. So other players from other teams were looking forward to going to play in the Celtics to get in this VIP lounge. Created an entertainment place. I find that a little weird because I'm like, hang on, do I want one of the other players coming in my VIP lounge? No. But again, maybe he's playing that long game of one of these players might end up coming in. Like John Sally ends think, up going and playing for the Lakers. Do you think they had three sweets in there? Depends on what sweets we're talking about, Mark. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. So word around the league and the city is that the Forum Club is the place to be. And while it operated, the club served as host Hollywood executives, actors, script writers, um, just with people trying to rub shoulders with the elite. Um, oh, yeah, here is NBA teams of the time love playing, the, playing in LA in large part to what would happen after games at the Forum. <laughs> Everyone was living the high life. Um, so I'm assuming there's lots of drugs going on there. Um, I'd imagine so. And uh, wow, players' wives weren't allowed in the club. What happened there was a secret until one spouse, Mark Landsberger's wife, asked, what goes on there? Landsberg answered honestly, and that was the beginning of the end of the club. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So basically, Landsberg became the most hated person. Like, Get him out. They're like, yeah, Get like, him out. mate, your contract's gone. Um, yeah. So anyway. And this right. is the 1982-1983 season. I don't know. It is, but I would like to point oh, out one. 82, 83, yeah, yeah, yeah. One other thing from this. That's my little smidgen of info. Oh, yeah. Shoot. It was the last year that Larry O'Brien was the commissioner of the NBA. Oh, yeah. So because of that, that's why it's now called the Larry O'Brien Trophy. So when he retired, it they said, we're going to call the trophy after you. So from the 1983, 82-83 season onwards, it was the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Before that, it was called the Walter A. Brown Trophy after the Boston Celtics owner. I never knew that until oh, I started wow. looking into this. I, I just, you know, because Larry O'Brien's always been the commissioner from like a long, 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 long time. I just didn't think of the trophy being called anything else before that. Yeah. But no, the Larry O'Brien, that's why it's called the Larry O'Brien Trophy. So that's 1982-83. That's when he resigned. And I'm going to throw something else at you. Do you know we said on another podcast about um, whoever has the best record in the league or yes. together yep. should get a trophy? Because that is significant, isn't it? Even if you say you 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 do that like Golden State run, yes, and then you don't win the playoffs, yeah, you deserve some recognition. You do uh, for that. There is something 
I don't know if it's a trophy they get given out, but it's the very first commissioner. Yeah. Whatever his name was, that's the trophy. It's named after him. Walter A. Brown is the original commissioner of the NBA. And I think that is what whoever wins the league gets yeah. something. I don't know if they actually get a physical trophy. Because Walter A. Brown was named, the, uh, he was the original uh, Boston Celtics owner. That's why they had it. Okay. So the other piece this was... This is the Showtime Lakers, Mark. Yeah, but this is quite important. So the other is two... This Dallas you're going to talk about? <laughs> no. That year, they also brought in two other uh, awards. Defensive Player of the Year Award and Sixth Man of the Year Award. So before that, they didn't have those. Yeah. But they, yeah, yeah. they, they weren't anything. But I thought you'd like this. The first person to win that. Oh, I don't know this, but if I had to guess in this era... Yeah, so this is 1982, say, 1983. I'll say Michael Cooper. Nope. Was it a Laker? No. Oh, God. So, so sixth man of the year was the Philadelphia 76ers, Bobby Jones, who was a power yeah. forward, right? And defensive player of the year was a Milwaukee Buck player, Sidney Moncrief. Sydney. Sydney. Wow. There you go. Well done, yeah, Sydney. Defense. But they were the first. The, what I want to say that was they were the first. And we've said we've said this about other things. You know, if you're going to win a trophy, be the first. The first ever person to win that trophy. So that that's on there now. There but, you go. But these are all things that you know we now take for granted. But these were still these were only just coming about in the NBA. So that's how uh, you know important this era is to what basketball is as it is now yeah yeah well so take us to the finals take us to the playoffs we're in the playoffs well we don't really talk again this is, i'm going back to thinking you don't really talk about the league do you no um so in the playoffs uh season ended they get 58 wins 24 losses uh they beat portland in the first round 4-1 they beat spurs 4-2 and they're taking on again for the third time Philadelphia 76ers so the first time they met LA wins yep. second time they meet LA wins this is the third time <laughs> don't forget that got Philadelphia got to get through the set Celtics every time to get there yep but they did it um, just have a look they did it three years out of four got past the Celtics I mean the Celtics haven't turned into the juggernaut yet which we're about to do next season anyway in 1983 the Lakers um, I guess the word I'd use is just crippled um, yeah because when they take on Philadelphia um, James Worthy he gets injured last game of the season I think um Sank to his foot, shin, shin bone or something like that, and he misses the playoffs. Norm Dixon, a strong, strong contributor, um, has a shoulder injury in the first, in game one of the finals. Um, Bob McAdoo tears his hamstring. Um, in the Western Conference finals against the Spurs, um, so they're severely handicapped by the time they get to the finals. Um, and, you know, Riley is just like, there's a great article that Riley does 
let me read this he says we got swept out of that place i can hear him saying that we got swept out of that place riley says um he, he does say the the lakers were um competitive um in 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 the in the first two games at least, but he does say in all four games of the Philadelphia series, the Lakers were leading at halftime, and he says if we could have had Mac healthy, that's Mac McAdoo, yeah. um, we might have had a shot. Every game was decided in the fourth period. They'd hit us with four or five minute defensive press, and that was it. So he says despite gallant efforts by. Matt McAdoo and Nixon to play Riley was like the Lakers were no match whatsoever for the 76ers um, and they lose they lose 4-0 four, four, four um, yeah, and man. this is the one championship that Julius Irving wins yeah this is his big moment and I think a lot of people wanted to see him win a championship and it's probably an argument in saying there's a podcast just in Julius Irving. Yeah. Um, Doctor yeah. Irving. Again, talking about influential players. He's up there, isn't he? Yeah. So, um, you, you know, the Lakers have, since Magic's turned up, they won a championship. They've done nothing. Won a championship, lost in the finals. So they're now in the finals three out of four seasons. And they've won two of them. I mean, that's still pretty good. Now, moving on from that final, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar just ended free agency. <laughs> um, and I, I don't really get this because he's not, from what I read, he's not in high demand. Well, Kareem. Yeah. And it seems insane because... Um, you know, I know at this stage he's 36. Yep. Um, and he's just been dominated by Moses Malone in finals. Yeah, that's why he wasn't in high demand. Um, in free agency, Kareem was also asking for a hefty payday yep. at the time. And he was looking for a contract of two million each year. Everyone in the league was like, no. Yeah. No. Um, I think he might have even lowered his asking price. But he didn't get signed. No one picked him up for three months. Um, so it was, a, I guess it was a, a rough signing. Uh, sorry, a rough three months, rough summer for uh, him and his agent. And eventually he does sign back with the Lakers and he gets something like three million for a two-year contract. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Chicago were in in the mix somewhere but they just weren't offering what he wanted um so but imagine your your one of your big stars is um kareem was putting up good numbers still um yeah i mean again it's no it, one realizes he actually i think he goes on for another five years yeah but <laughs> at this point let me let me just count on so they've lost to philly one two three four five I think he goes on for another six seasons. In 89, he retired. Yeah, yeah, he goes on for another six seasons. But I think if people knew that, they would have uh, might have reconsidered. Um, but even back, back then, you got to remember that a lot of players 
were not retiring at 36, 38, like a LeBron or anything. All of those things, really, really uncommon. Yeah. You, you're getting past a certain physical stage and they went, hey, and that's it, you're done. And, and also, he's a big man. Kareem's not, not short, is he? Well, I, th- I think if people could go back in time, they might reconsider that one. But when you're talking about um, poor performance in the finals, you've got to talk about Norm Nixon. Because he played quite poor in that in that series and he was on the chopping block almost immediately after that um and this was an interesting one because i heard that again you have this environment where you got players and then they're going to clubs with the people who are watching them play so they have a strong or they start getting a relationship with like jack nicholson then all of a sudden you get Jerry Buss going, yeah, yeah, I'm getting rid of it. Bam, he's gone. And then you've got like, you'll have people like Jack, what are you doing? And they'll be like, hang on, what is going on here? And that is, um, you know, what happens with Nixon. It's not, it's not a, um, a, a, well, a warmly received trade. Um, I've got a quote for you here. It, it made sense looking to dealing Norman said Jerry West. He was a terrific player. I've never said he wasn't, but we were lacking balance and we needed someone in the backcourt who didn't need the ball all the time. Someone who was a better defender and a better shooter. (laughs) That's brutal. Uh, I need someone who's a better defender, uh, a better shooter. That's why. Someone who doesn't need the ball. Um, Basically not him. (laughs) That, That is why I like Jerry West. But, um, yeah, yeah it, it was not a popular move right. for, for the Lakers fans. Um, and, again, I think from what I remember listening to things, Jack Nicholson was the one who was like, he was not happy with that and voiced it. Um, I will say the next time he, he did get traded, um, who did he go to? I don't know. I don't know. Whoever he went to, the next season they played each other. And he and Nixon scored 25 points, 12, 12, 25 points and 12 assists against his old team. But Lakers, they do well in the draft again. Yep. Who do they get with the number four pick that spring? Byron Scott. Yeah. A huge player in the future for the Lakers. <coughs> it's quite interesting really because oh. when you just you're saying Byron and Scott you can see the era that he's playing in and that's sort of going in from the mid 80s right through to the like mid 90s ish maybe tugging on towards the later 90s even but yeah you've, you've had Kareem coming from the 70s through to the 80s and obviously I mean Kareem was 65 I think to, mm. to the 80s then you've got Magic coming smack on 80, 79, 80, right through. And then you've got Byron Scott coming through. It's like they're constant, constant. The Byron Scott introduction for me personally is when I consider the Lakers arguably one of the greatest teams of, of all time.
Thank you very much for listening to this episode. That is the end of this part. But do not worry because coming soon is the second part of this episode and it will be available soon.